Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right, hello and welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Today is Monday, February 28th, the last day of February. We're already there. And we have a busy weekend to review, a bad weekend for lacrosse, a great weekend for track and field, a mixed weekend for basketball, and more. Before we get into that, let's recognize and thank our sponsors, Academy Consulting, the Montana 3000 Podcast, Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 5 and our friends at the Naptown Scoop. So first, boxing. Friday Night Lights. Adrian Johnson and Aiden McNally set the stage for themselves to join a very exclusive club. The juniors captured their third titles during the 81st Annual Brigade Boxing Championships held Friday night before a packed house at Alumni Hall. That means Johnson and McNally can become just the 24th and 25th four-time champions in brigade boxing history. However, the two close friends and roommates have already decided to fight each other next year in a real batter royale. Johnson captured the 139-pound championship, while McNally claimed the 147-pound title Friday night. Both boxers have talked about moving up or down a weight class to give themselves that ultimate test. Wags, if that entire intro sounded familiar, it's from the story that you wrote for the Annapolis Capitol, which again was an amazing story. I'll let you kind of expound a little bit more on the electric atmosphere, the results from the night, the Annapolitan Club led by Dave Lilliflorin, uh, in effect in their uh, in their zoot suits and tuxedos, break it down because it was really nice to see that whole thing going down in front of legends of Navy boxing. I saw Jeremy Biggs, uh, my old shipmate, and and a uh, brigade boxing legend himself, and a lot of other great names from history. What was it like to see them back in there in that atmosphere? John, it was awesome. I, I love brigade boxing. In my opinion, that is one of the most entertaining nights on the yard all year. The place is packed. The midshipmen turn out in force. They're rooting for their company mates. They're loud and proud. And I mean, and the fighting is fantastic. I mean, they're not all the most polished boxers. Some are relatively new to the sport. Most of them are members of the club boxing program at Navy. But every now and then you get someone who just signs up and goes through the brigade boxing championship ladder process and makes it to the finals. But uh, Jim McDowley, we first first shout out to the longtime Navy boxing coach, 36 years he's been at the Naval Academy. Jim McNally does a fantastic job, not only as the club boxing coach, but also as a physical education instructor. And he puts together a, a great show. And the, as you mentioned, the Annapolitan Club, with all of their members coming in tuxedos, has really become a cool part of it and lends a little, you know, class. And, you know, I guess they've, this has always been referred to as the boxing smoker, which, you know, I, I didn't quite get where that term came from. Maybe you guys being Naval Academy guys, where, how did it get the name the boxing smoker? Oh, in fact, I was talking about this with Naval Academy grad and and friend of the pod, Brian Walsh. But Chris, I'll leave it over to you. You're the uh, 
you're the grad, but I, I, I love the fact that they call it the smoker. Go ahead and enlighten us. It used to be that you'd watch the boxing match and then smoke afterwards, right? I mean, isn't that kind of the, I mean, it's not much more complicated than that. Um, when I was there, I don't know that we smoked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was there in 1999 and, and you know, the couple of years before, and most of that had gone by the wayside. Uh, occasionally, people would break out a, a cigar or two, depending on how good the fighting was. I hope the Annapolitan guys did that this time. Annapolitan Club is located kind of behind Ram's Head off of State Circle. Um, and they've got basically an old, you know, colonial house that they've uh, renovated. And they cut a big deck and they have to put a, a tent up there for all the guys smoking cigars. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole thing. And then they march over in procession and come in. And it was great to see them all in effect. They, like, like Wag said, it represents some class. It started off just just electric the the women's bout to start us off uh we yeah, that was and I were one. sitting right there in the blue corner with elizabeth really going after um yeah the victor in that bout and wags will have the name but man i'll tell you what it starts it off so well when for three rounds you just have two athletes who are going toe to toe battling it out and then afterwards you can tell how much mutual respect they have for each other so i for one was really, really enlightened and and motivated by the by the entire experience. And Wags, as always, your story was great. Well, yeah, Kayla Gillums defended her title in that first bout, and that was a barn burner because uh, Elizabeth Grimmig is the team captain, and she's been a pass brigade champion. I think she's been in the finals three straight years, so she's a very veteran fighter. But Kayla Gillums, who's only a sophomore, is now a two-time champion, we should mention. She's now on pace to become just the second four-time women's champion. So we'll keep an eye on her. But you mentioned Adrian Johnson and Aiden McNally, and they're both members of the club boxing team. And for those that don't know, after Brigades is over, they begin the process of the national championship run. So Navy will be going to the regionals. They It's the National Collegiate Boxing Association, NCBA, and – uh Aiden McNally and, and Adrian Johnson are threats to win national championships in club boxing. And they're both very talented. You know, Adrian Johnson said he's been very focused on his academics. You know, this was an important year for him, especially first semester. So he was not able to train as diligently as he normally would for boxing. And he was proud of himself. I interviewed him after and he said he got a 3.2 GPA during the fall semester. So he feels a little bit better. And he said that now he's really going to put a lot of focus into the regional and national run-up. But uh, Coach McNally had said that this young freshman was going to give him a hard time. And darned if he didn't. I mean, Johnson looked good, but this Cam DeLay, keep an eye on him. He's a freshman from Chapel Hill. He, he's going to be a brigade boxing champion and possibly a national champion. He is good, and he fought well against Johnson, but Johnson's more experienced and he cut off the ring and did a good job. Now, Aiden McNally is Jim McNally's son. He's just a fantastic boxer. He, I've been covering these brigades now for 20-whatever years. Uh, he's one of the most polished boxers I've seen at Navy. He, he, you know, he's been going to this thing since he was little. His dad's a boxing coach. I mean, it's funny because Jim McNally told us when we interviewed him last week, his son doesn't listen to him at home. But he, at least he listens to him. When it comes to boxing, and he's learned his lessons well because he is a very polished fighter. I am already looking forward to that 
battle royale, as I wrote. Um, I think, to be fair, Aiden McNally needs to come down to Adrian Johnson. Um, Aiden's a lot bigger than Adrian, and I think to try to even the scales a little bit, it'd be it's more fair for him to have to cut down and come down to the 139 weight class. That'll maybe make it a little more fair. But I got to give the two guys credit. I mean, you, being a four-time champ, your name's in that program forever. Every year when people come and pick up their program, they see the list of four-time champs. It's exclusive. And they could beat the heck out of somebody next year and be a four-time champ. They've earned that right. They, You won three titles. But they are going to test themselves. And by God, whoever emerges as the four-time champ is going to know they earned it by beating the heck of a boxer. And you know, they fight each other all the time. They spar and practice. And Aiden said that sometimes Adrian gets the best of him and vice versa. So it sounds like it's going to be a good, really good match. Um, Michael Stegeman was a defending champion who did not repeat. He got beat by a freshman, EJ Hagans, who looked good. It was pretty impressive. Um, and then uh, we had one other uh, defending champ, and I think, uh, hold on here, Joey, well, first of all, the Matzel brothers, we talked about that storyline. Well, that the two first two brothers to win championships in the same year since 1963 went out the door early because uh, Joey Matzel lost at 156 pounds, but his brother, Vinny Matzel, the senior captain of the team, he did repeat as a brigade boxing champion. So he's a two-time champ. And then the other defending champ, John, was on the women's side, Jordan Barnhart. She also got upset. J.C. Curry, a senior, looked good and defeated Jordan by unanimous decision. So being a defending champ, they come after you and you don't always win again. You got to earn it every year, John. Yeah, that's the story of the day, right? You have to make them earn it. I know that all these guys, if they were to be offered... Uh, the opportunity to become a four-time brigade boxing champion, that they'd want to go through the best of the competition. You don't want anything laid out in front of you or given to you. And, you know, that's on perfect display during brigade boxing. So an absolutely fun night. Our friends from the Naptown Scoop there were ringside too. We really enjoyed it. Uh, And, you know, here's to seeing it next year, that battle royale. Let's talk about more silverware for our athletes. And I'm kind of officially starting the Navy sports hashtag in 2022 of hashtag need a bigger kitchen for all this silverware. The Navy men's and women's track team swept the 2022 Patriot league indoor track and field championship, which was held at Bucknell for the men. It was their 12th win in program history and the eighth time in the last nine meets that the mids won the title. And on the women's side, it was the sixth indoor title in program history, marking the third consecutive win for the mids. Um, A lot of streaks there and an absolutely uh, awesome weekend for them. Said uh, track and field director, uh, Jamie Cook, I think we outperformed our projections. As a staff, we went into the meet as the underdog on both sides. We won a lot of championships, but it's never easy. This year has been a struggle. There are a lot of good teams in the league who are improving. For us to be able to win the men's title and the women's title, Not to say it was unexpected, but you come to have a championship level performance when you need it and have the team ready when they need to be ready. The Navy men finished with 264 total points. The women's team was able to finish with 202 points. The mids finished ahead of Army. Um, Boston was third with 140 and Bucknell notched 
73. Aside from the overall team wins, Navy claimed individual major awards. Baines Autry was the men's track and field athlete of the meet, and Jamie Cook was named both men's and women's coach of the year. Hats off to them. Speaking of winning, the Navy men's swimming and diving team placed first in the Navy women's Speaking of winning, the Navy men Speaking of winning, the Navy men's swimming and diving team placed first and the Navy women's team placed second in the ECAC championships for swimming and diving contested this weekend in Lejeune. The Navy men accrued 767.5 points to outdistance second place Bucknell. The Navy men's team has placed first 12 times and second once in the 13 ECAC championships it has competed in since 08, 09. And the women's team has now posted five wins and three second place finishes at the last eight ECAC championships. Navy men's head coach Bill Roberts was named the men's swimming coach of the meet. And Hunter Siebert was named the men's diver of the meet. Now, baseball. Wags, I guess Strass was listening to you uh, on the last pod when his tweet over the weekend made a very clear reference to people, quote unquote, dumping on Navy pitching after the first three games of the season, where they won two of three, but got bombed for nine, 10, and 15 runs. Kashi's pitching staff took the motivation to Texas and took two of three from Air Force. Uh, to win the 2022 Freedom Classic on Saturday, downing the Falcons uh, after losing game one, 5-1 and 2-1. Over the two games on Saturday, the the midshipman pitching staff combined to allow just two runs while striking out 15. On offense, they were led by Kyle Roush and Alex Smith. Smith went two for three in game one, including his first collegiate home run. And Roush went two for three uh, in game two with a run score. They dropped the first game of the series 2-1, came back to win the series, giving up only four runs all weekend. In the first three games of the season, Mids pitching gave up four runs or more five times in a single inning, let alone a game, including three innings of four more runs against Coppin State. Now, it's not like Air Force can't hit. So what happened here? And let's first say congrats to baseball because... There's absolutely nothing like beating Air Force and air hockey, curling, you know, whatever you're playing Air Force in. It's awesome to beat them. But Wags, walk us through this transformation for Navy pitching. First of all, nobody was dumping on Navy pitching. We're merely pointing out the obvious that, and I think we said many, several times, that Costi himself said this would be a work in progress, that they had to develop the pitching staff. But certainly the pitchers, got the message from the, the opening weekend and the first few games that they had to improve. So they did. And, you know, in that game two, when Navy won two to one, you, you had Liam Golden, Zach Ward, Landon Quirr, all pitched well. So, yeah, that's a very, very promising, uh, positive uh, development, but it's they're still a work in progress. This is, does not mean that they've turned the corner and have arrived. Uh, it's you know going to have to continue, and you know we still don't know who the weekend starters are going to be. I think Costi's still trying to figure out who he can rely on in the bullpen. But yes, the weekend doubleheader results, much better pitching performances overall, and uh, that is a great positive. And Coach Paul Costa, 
Coach Paul Kostakopoulos has got to be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, going into you know now the thick of the season before we go uh, Patriots, that's a good road trip down there. And again, like I said, beating Air Force is always a positive thing. So I mentioned lacrosse. The Navy women's lacrosse team was edged 10-9 by St. Joe's on Friday evening at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. The game was a defensive battle with the two teams combining for 19 cause turnovers and both goalies registering double-digit saves. I was out there before heading to brigade boxing, and oh my. JoJo Torres Wags was going full Jack Schofield between the pipes. She tallied 14 saves in the loss. The double-digit save performance marked the fourth time in her very short career, which is only 14 games long, that she tallied 10 or more stops. In addition, she tied a career high with four ground balls. Ryan and Evie led the team with four points apiece. Ryan scored a career-high four goals, notching her second hat trick in the last two games. Jill Evie scared a por- scored a pair of goals while adding a team-high two assists. Denton, Dietzel, and Leon rounded out the scoring with one goal each. Uh, you didn't hear Reagan Roloff's name? Well, that's because she got two yellow cards in the first half and got run. The second yellow being called on her as a dangerous shot, quote-unquote, that hit the St. Joe's goalie in the shin. Now, this pod isn't my pulpit to rail against bad officiating, but the two cards on Reagan, particularly the one for the unsafe shot, were borderline at best. Coach Timschel, who everyone knows is animated to begin with, was quasi-apoplectic on the sidelines about it, and I won't even say what we were saying about it up in the press box. I watched the first quarter from up there, the second quarter from down on the field level, and Cindy was not pumped. I can tell you right now, the second card for the unsafe shot, I mean, she just had a hard shot that hit the girl on the on the leg. I believe that the ref thought that the stick hit her in the leg, which would have been an insanely bad call anyway. On the surface, it's just a bad call. But Reagan Roloffs was not available for the second half, and, and we lost that game to, to St. Joe's 10-9. Wags, what were your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, John, uh, Joe Torres was fantastic. 14 saves. That was a tremendous performance from her. Uh, one uh, other note, uh, Navy may have lost its top freshman, Emily Messinese, went down, uh, knee injury. It looks like you know, she was due to get an MRI. We don't know the outcome. We're hoping it's positive, but it's possible that Navy may have lost a very, very talented freshman in that game. Uh you know, women's lacrosse has different rules than men's lacrosse. And frankly, John, you know, I'm still trying to figure out some of the calls that are made. And it seems like every year they add something new to the rule book. But, you know, I, it has to do with the fact that they do not wear equipment the way the men do as far as, you know, big, heavy gloves and, you know, some shoulder pads in some instances and a helmet. So they're going to have these dangerous calls where, you know, you can't, have your stick uh, around the head area because that's dangerous and they're not wearing helmets. But I agree with you. Some of these calls are, are baffling and a dangerous shot. I mean, everybody is taught to shoot hard. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that call at all, John. I, I, I'd have to call Cindy Timshaw and have her explain it to me. But I can guarantee you if Cindy was as angry as you indicate, then it was probably a bad call. Nobody knows the sport better than Cindy. Um, now Navy goes to Drexel and they're loaded last year. Drexel beat, uh, Navy pretty handily, and that's going to be a tough game. And then 
they have about a week off and then they play Johns Hopkins, which would be another tough non-conference foe. So we're, the Navy women's cross team is definitely, you know, finding out about itself here in this very tough stretch of games. Yeah. And uh, talk about a tough stretch of games. The men had a very unexpected tough stretch uh, going down in a one goal defeat to High Point, the first ever game against High Point. Uh, High Point senior Michael Ippolito's goal broke the 13-13 tie with just over four minutes remaining in the contest. And that stood up, uh, lifting the Panthers to a 14-13 victory over uh, Navy men's lacrosse on Saturday afternoon. Tolker, the, the freshman, and Max Hewitt paced the mids, uh, each scoring three goals and adding an assist. It was the third consecutive game Tolker has produced a hat trick. So keep an eye on this, ladies and gentlemen. This is a pretty talented freshman who's already filling up the stat book. And while it was Hewitt's first hat trick and marked a career high in points, but in the end, it was high point. All-American attackman and standby for an amazing Laxbro name, Asher Nolting, Turned in an eight-point day with three goals and five assists for high point. Ippolito finished with four goals. And, yeah, that that was it. And another kind of head-scratching loss, Wags. You and Ward were there, uh, brought us the action in the form of Instagram Lives at the end of the quarters and at halftime. In the end, what did you see and what led to this loss? Well, first of all, high point's a very strong program, John. Uh, that John Torpe has been there. He He's the one and only coach they've had. High point instituted. Uh, lacrosse, uh, I think 2011 or something like that. But he's been the only coach, and he's steadily built a very solid program. They've been to the NCAA tournament. They've won the Southern Conference uh, multiple times in the regular season, once in the tournament to get that automatic berth into the NCAAs. But they they lost to Virginia, which is the defending national champion, 11-10. So High Point is, a, is an outstanding program, and this Asher Nolting, he could be a Tuarton Award finalist. He is that good. So, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, bad loss in any way, shape, or form. I mean, high points, A-grade, legit. And Navy was right there. And it was a little disappointing that Navy jumped out to a 6-2 lead and was playing great. And their offense just looked fantastic. It was very sharp. They were banging the ball around, finding the open man, making the extra pass, and getting – you know, very, very high percentage shots. And then the offense kind of, you know, slowly devolved over the course of the game that that ball movement we saw in the first period just didn't, you know, hold up for the entire game. But it was a great game, very exciting back and forth. And, you know, Navy will learn from this. But I, I'm feeling pretty good about Navy men's lacrosse, uh, way better than I did after the season opener. I was like, that was scratching your head because they just didn't look good. But they're playing better. and. I, I thought they played a good game uh, against High Point. It's just tough opponent, and you know somebody had to win a very, very close. Uh, and I will say this: give the Ippolito credit. He uh, he stepped up. They they limited Nolting goal scoring wise in the second half. Jackson Bonnet actually did a very good job on Nolting, and Ippolito stepped up and scored. You know, three of his four goals in the, or I, uh, was it all four in the second half? I think he he really, to his credit. He carried high point. And uh, now the mids have the week off to prepare for the very beginning of the Patriot League season, which will be up in Bethlehem against Lehigh on Saturday. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I will walk through what the Patriot League basketball tournament will look like, both for the, both for the men and the women. 
We now know who the women are going to play. We have an idea between the two teams uh, that the men will play, and that will kick off at the latter stages of this week. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I will break that down and then take it out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Navy fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Coach Ed DeCellis, and that's Patriot League Coach of the Year, Ed DeCellis, and his Navy men's basketball team will enter the Patriot League tournament as the number two seed and host either Holy Cross or American on Thursday night at 7 p.m. in Alumni Hall. Tickets for this quarterfinal matchup are available now at NavySports.com. The Navy women's basketball team will return to Dave Smalley Court at Alumni Hall on Saturday at 1 p.m. to host Colgate in the first round of the Patriot League tournament. Tickets are available at NavySports.com or at the box office on game day. And finally, NAAA announced the launch of the Blue N-Star Gold's Full Speed Ahead to 10 campaign an initiative that will focus on reaching 10,000 Blue N-Star Gold members. The program reached the highest membership in school history in 2021 with 6,250 members, surpassing the 2019 record of 6,050 members. The objective is to increase membership to 10,000 annual members, which will generate the additional revenue necessary to sustain the championship level commitment for all programs. Visit NavySports.com for more information. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Now, let's break down basketball. The Patriot League men's basketball regular season concluded on Saturday, setting the seating for the 2022 Patriot League men's basketball championship brought to you by PenFed Credit Union. First round action begins on Tuesday, March 1st. Colgate clinched the number one seed. They had already clinched it before defeating us over the weekend, but wrapped it up and kind of put a bow on it by beating us uh, over the weekend. And this is the third time in the last four seasons that the road to the NCAA will go through number one seed Colgate up in Hamilton. Uh, The Raiders entered the tournament on a very dangerous 12-game winning streak, among the longest winning streaks in all of Division I this season. Uh, They defeated us Saturday, 74 to 69, behind 23, 9, and 5 from senior guard Tucker Richardson. And they will host the winner of number nine, Bucknell, against number eight, Lafayette, on Tuesday. We claim the number two seed and will await the winner of American versus Holy Cross. Number three, BU, will play number six, Loyola. And then finally, number four, Lehigh, will welcome Army West Point. Wags, I come right back and I'm going to get right into this. I'm going to, we come right back to bad foul shooting and late game execution with this team. Coach DeCellis had the opportunity to sit a lot of starters. The game was kind of meaningless. We already knew we were going to be the two seed. We could have gotten some rest for some guys. Dorsey didn't play, you know, obviously still dealing with that injury. Um, but the, the foul shooting is just outrageous. And Chet and Strass and I were talking about it during halftime of the women's game on Saturday afternoon. We out-rebounded Colgate. We had a 19 to 13 assist to turnover ratio. We shot better, a very toasty, even for Navy standards, 44.8% from the field. We got 17 and six from John Carter. But man, nine for 20 from the free throw line. Inge had two huge misses. Nujoku was 0 for four and is putting himself in a position where in a close game in the Patriot League tournament wags, you just can't play him. You can't have him out there. And then Nelson was 0 for three from the line. So, 
considering what you saw on Saturday, Wags, and knowing what we're going to walk into in the Patriot League tournament, as Mike Heary was talking about, low-scoring games, games that come down to one possession, how much is this foul shooting going to concern you? Well, it's very concerning, John, and it's been a season-long issue. And, you know, another thing, you when you talk about foul shooting, you're inevitably one-and-one situations. So if you miss the front end of a one-and-one, it's, it's as good as a turnover. So won't win a Patriot League championship shooting free throws the way that Navy did, 9 for 20. I mean, now, that is exceedingly bad. They're, they're not a great foul shooting team, but that's, that's worse than their season average by far. Um, you didn't, he didn't get much Greg Summers, three minutes. Uh, both he and Dorsey were nursing injuries, and it's a big question as to where, how, you know, what's their availability Thursday? Will they be full strength? Um, obviously, Ed wasn't going to play him much in that Colgate game. There's no reason to even attempt to exacerbate, you know, exacerbate those injuries, but uh, they're going to need Dorsey and Summers in the Patriot League tournament quarterfinals on Thursday night at Alumni Hall. Um, and you're right with Richard. Uh, if it's close game at the end, you, you cannot play him because teams will foul him on purpose to get him to the line. Uh, so that's just the way it is. Deaver will have to play. He's a little bit better free throw shooter. But, yeah, it's an issue. And you're not going to win a Patriot League championship if you can't shoot free throws because they're going to be tight games and you got to make those the foul shots down the stretch. But I still like this team. Uh, I will be disappointed. If Navy does not win two home games and get back to Colgate, if Colgate get his advances all the way to the final, which, you know, is likely they're going to be home and they're a very good team. It will be a pretty big upset for someone to go into Hamilton, New York, and beat Colgate. But I, I'd like to see Navy playing in the Patriot League Championship at Colgate. And, uh, you know, they were still in this game the whole way. It's a tight ball game. I was watching it in the press box at the Navy, and then I got hurried home to try to catch the end um, when I was at men's lacrosse. But, yeah, I, I, I think Navy can beat Colgate with the right circumstances. And, you know, not having Dor Dorsey and Summers is not, you know, apples and apples. We'll, we'll see what happens when Navy's full strength. Yeah, so, and I'll bring Chris in here. Yeah, it comes back to this whole thing that we've been discussing internally at Sync Second Sports, which is, how clutch is this team? How how poised is this team? How ready is this team to win? And, and I know we're entering into my favorite two months in sports. All right. I know that the baseball season is in jeopardy, but there is really nothing quite like, you know, the two months for Jim Nance doing March Madness and then going Hello Friends on that second weekend uh, in April uh, down in Augusta, Georgia. This this is the prime time of being a sports fan. And I love the ideas Wags talked about of seeing this team playing a game that possibly results in them seeing their name called on Selection Sunday. And Chris, for me, that's what makes this team so fun, but also so maddening in that I could absolutely see them rolling through the Patriot League tournament and stomping people and then shocking like a Baylor team or a Villanova team uh, as a 15 or a 16 seed in the uh, in the NCAA tournament, I also see a Holy Cross team possibly coming into town on Thursday night and beating us by 20. Um, yeah, for for you, you've watched this team from afar and you've always had incredibly good takes on what you see. What do you make of the momentum as they're about to go into the most important games of the year? I don't think it's where it needs to be. 
um, that that's just my take. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we got poked a little bit about saying that this team isn't clutch and, you know, they, they've done some good things. I mean, they, they've had some big wins. They've, they've had some steals when they needed to make steals. They've, they've had some last minute shots, but they've also put themselves into position where they had to depend on last minute runs or last minute shots in games that they should have, you know, run away with. Um, you know, we talked about it last week. I, you know, the, the outcome of the Colgate game, you know, may not have mattered, but I mean, what a game to, you know, sort of build some of that momentum. What a game to work on fundamentals and, and, you know, come into their first tournament game feeling good. As a fan, I'm nervous. I, I don't know that they can do what you just described, right? I mean, I think they have the potential to do it. I, I don't know, uh, you know, if they're able to run the table and then go to the NCAA tournament. I, I, I mean, we truly are going to have to take it one game at a time. I know that sounds, you know, Bull Durham-ish. This coaching staff has its work cut out for them to get them focused, to get them motivated. I would love nothing more than to fly up from Florida on the, you know, March 13th to, to Colgate or wherever else and watch them win the Patriot League championship. But for right now, I, I am worried. Chris, there's fungus on your shower shoes. You're never going to fly up here for the Patriot League tournament. I'll never make fungus. it in the majors. I got to get your shower, your shower shoes. <laughs> All right. And so before we get to the better half of the basketball results from the weekend, let's first talk about some late-breaking news, and some silverware. Some more silverware. Hashtag going to need a beggar kitchen for Navy men's basketball. Number one, Ed DeCellis has won his second straight Patriot League Coach of the Year award. Just announced this afternoon. That is his second straight award. Obviously, last year being a unique year playing the pods. This year playing a more full schedule, finishing solo second behind a very tough Colgate team. A very deserved award for Ed DeCellis for winning Coach of the Year. Also, John Carter Jr., named on the second team All-Patriot League, with Greg Summers and Richard Njoku being named to the All-Defensive Team. So, obviously, the success of the team was not lost in the Patriot League, and they have been given honors appropriately. Uh, no one on the freshman uh, of, the, of the year team, but that, that's to be expected. There weren't a lot of freshmen who got substantive minutes. But congrats to John Carter. Congrats to Ed DeCellis. And congrats to Summers and Najoku for getting on the defensive team. And now for what happened with the women's team. I was in attendance to see the ladies take care of their Colgate rivals at home on Saturday. They were invigorated by the pregame ceremony to honor its class of 2022. Hurdle Langford, and someone named Jen Coleman who's put up some numbers this year. No big deal. But they broke out to an early 8-5 advantage over Colgate and led for the ensuing 37-plus minutes on their way to a 52-48 victory in front of a really spirited crowd at Alumni Hall. Don't worry, for those of you who might have missed the game, we're still like blindfolding and torturing kids during timeouts and halftime, even during women's games. Super fun to watch. But even more fun to watch was Christina Donza, the sophomore. She spearheaded Navy to the victory. She had a career-high 19 points, 6 of 8 shooting. I think she was 5 for 5 from 3. And had some pretty awesome post three, like kind of gang signs. It was awesome. She she gave that kind of energy and that spirit and that fight that usually you're only getting from Jen Coleman. And she delivered it uh, to go along with three rebounds and two assists in her 31 minutes, 31 minutes rather. Coleman aided Donza's outing with 12 points and eight boards. She also had five assists. 
um, obviously capping an incredible year, which still has one game left. And you can see them in action at home on Wednesday against Lehigh before they host their Patriot League tournament first round game against that same Colgate team on Saturday, March 5th at Alumni Hall. So both basketball teams get to host at least one game to start the Patriot League tournament. It's now March, so let the madness begin. Let's close out by talking about men's, women's, and tennis and rifle. The Navy men's tennis team ran its winning streak to eight matches in a row with a pair of victories on Sunday and a split squad doubleheader. They recorded a 7-0 drubbing of Duquesne in the first match, played at Pittsburgh, and then posted a 4-3 win over Fordham up there in New York City. The Navy women's tennis team, who is now 10-1, won its third straight match along with being along with its 10th victory and 11 dual competitions. They beat Fairleigh Dickinson 7-0 at home. The Mids won each of their six singles matches in straight sets, along with recording two victories in two of the three singles matches against Fairleigh Dickinson. With a sweep of the singles competition against the Knights, Navy improved to an outstanding 55-11 and as a team in singles this dual season. Additionally, Emily Tannenbaum totaled her team-leading 17th singles win of the season, and team captain Megana Komaraju extended her win streak in singles play to seven straight matches as well. That's a team best mark. And Navy Rifle competed, and Navy Rifle completed the competition at the 2022 Great American Rifle Conference Championship Saturday at West Point. They finished tied for third in the air rifle discipline and placed fourth overall with 4,707 points on the weekend. They weren't the only team up in West Point this weekend. Louis Nicolau and the water water polo team were up there for one of their off-season exhibitions. They got an opportunity to compete against three different teams and got some valuable PT for all the guys. And speaking of those guys, the Fall 2021 Men's Association of Collegiate Water Polo Coaches all-academic team was announced in the outstanding category. Peter Hillen, Graham Lindner, Kyle Faison, Sean O'Boyle, Jonas Greer, Jamie Cassidy, Jake Altmeyer, Kenny McKinley, and Caden Copabianco, my favorite. In the superior category, Anthony Tolbert and Liam McInerney. And in the excellent category, Connor Simpson and Jordan Corpus. The overall team GPA for the fall was 3.08. I know Cervello is a nerd and graduated at the top 100 at Navy. Wags, did you ever have a GPA of over 3.08? I had over 3.0 my last couple of years at Towson, but that was after I failed out of Towson my sophomore year. So uh, I, I had to come back. I'll tell you what, John, is I learned the importance of academics when I had to pay for my own classes that I had to make up at the ones I failed. When you're paying for your own school, you go to class and you study and you get grades. So that was the best thing my dad ever made me do is pay to get back into school. And uh, I never got bad grades after that, John. (laughs) I love it. And now finally, Wags, what we failed to discuss the last couple of weeks is that filtered in with all these results in this very busy schedule, the new Navy football schedule is out. It features a September 3rd home game against the Fighting Joe Flacco's at Delaware. Make your uh, flight reservations right now, Chris Cervello. And then they welcome Memphis the next week. They have other home dates versus Tulsa on October 8th. 
and Houston on October 22nd before Colin Schofield comes home with the rest of his Temple Owls friends on October 29th. And then Notre Dame and Baltimore on November 12th before the team gets almost a full month off, unless they're in the AAC championship game, finishing at Central Florida November 19th before Army in Philly on December 10th. Now, I can't remember the last time Navy wasn't playing somewhere on Thanksgiving weekend, but this schedule, provided they don't have an AAC championship game, which we all hope they do, kind of leads to that. So it looks like Strass will possibly get his first Thanksgiving at home in like 30 years in this business. But don't worry, Strass, I'm sure Navy basketball will schedule some sort of awesome Thanksgiving weekend tournament in Birmingham, Alabama, or some other scenic location. Wags, what were your first thoughts on that schedule? Well, I like the Notre Dame game in Baltimore. I'm already looking forward to that. Uh, It's been a while since Notre Dame played Navy in Baltimore. Um, It's a typical schedule. I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but looking forward to all the games, the home games, and they've got some good American Athletic Conference home matchups, so I think the fans will be happy. Um, It is what it is, John. It's not as tough as last year, I can tell you that. Uh, you know, I don't know what Delaware is going to look like next year. I mean, they've been good and have, well, you mentioned Joe Flacco, Delaware beat Navy when Joe Flacco was the quarterback, but, uh, I'd rather play Delaware than Marshall. So yeah, it's not as tough a schedule as last year. No. And I think you've got some really good home dates in there. And again, I like the idea of them getting off so much time, uh, between the last central Florida game and army. Um, usually Army has a bunch of time off before the Army-Navy game, and now we do. So I'll tell you what, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be coming back to you on Friday with a conversation with baseball captain Christian Policelli. We'll also break down the results from the week, uh, which include women's lacks against Drexel on Tuesday, women's basketball against Lehigh on Wednesday, and then baseball is at George Mason and Fairfax on Wednesday, and then the very much ballyhooed and discussed men's Patriot League tournament game against Holy Cross or American on Thursday. Friday morning, we'll come out with a new pod. We'll have the results. We'll have the breakdown. We'll also talk to baseball captain Christian Policelli. And as we go out, let us not forget that these women and men competing and achieving in the physical mission are all still bound for one destination, and that's service to our nation. And as we see in Europe right now, that service can potentially be dangerous. For all of our listeners who are out there in the UCOM and Six Fleet AORs, we're thinking about you. We have to hope that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is dealt with accordingly by NATO and our allies and that this stops soon. This is a dangerous world and the women and men who we cover on this pod are about to go out and face it. Here's hoping they face a safer and more peaceful situation than that which exists in the Ukraine right now. Our thoughts are with you, Ukraine. For Chris, for Wags, I'm John. We're out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.